This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Whether you love dogs or fear dogs, promise me you will stay listening today until you hear the story of Gertie, who had the label Pitbull. I promise this will warm your heart and probably moisten your eyes. If you had asked me before today, I would have said I'm afraid of dogs labeled Pitbull. But now I'm going to keep an open mind because I have learned I don't know squat about pits. And I've learned from Stacy Coleman of the Animal Farm Foundation, there really is no such thing as a pit bull. Really. But there is a dog that looks a certain way and has a certain reputation. So keep your mind open with me as we learn about dogs from all over who come out of shelters and then go to Rikers Island to get trained by inmates. And then they come to a place in the Hudson Valley that grooms those dogs to be of service to those in need. Both kids who need a therapy pet and also police officers who use these dogs to hunt for drugs and guns. Stacy, the Animal Farm Foundation, this is completely new to me. What do I need to know? Well, we have been around for quite a while, actually. We were founded in 1985 uh, by a woman named Jane Berkey, who had originally started as a horse rescue. She has her own uh, business in New York City that she runs, but she lived full-time mostly here in the Hudson Valley in little Stanford Villamania area. One day she went to the local SPCA and got herself a dog, and when she got that dog home, she realized that people were calling that dog a pit bull. And she didn't know anything about pit bulls or discrimination, and she learned in a hurry that dogs with that label were sometimes discriminated against. And as an owner of a dog with that label, she was being discriminated against. So she switched her efforts from horse rescue to working to end the discrimination against dogs and their people with that label of pit bull because the discrimination was based on appearance, not on actual behavior. And in the process of doing that, she started out by uh, just having a, a few rescue dogs and placing them into adoptive homes. And she's a very fact-based, science-based kind of thinker. And she realized that there was a real a real gap in fact-based, science-based information that informed how we lived with dogs or how we legislated the dogs we lived with, how we approached uh, dog owners and dog training. So she founded the National Canine Research Council, which is a think tank that is uh, interested in raising the standard for canine behavior science. And when she started doing all of this, she realized, hey, I need some help. And that's when I came into the picture. I was running my own nonprofit in Indianapolis, doing basically the same things. And she contacted me and said, hey, do you want a job? And I said, I'll be there in a couple of weeks. That's how I ended up here in the Hudson Valley and working for uh, Animal Farm Foundation. And so now a few things have changed. 
changed since she started the organization and since I started there 10 years ago. Shelters and rescues and the general population are doing a fantastic job now of seeing dogs as individuals. So what we do is we help shelters understand how to remove barriers. We help adopters not to look at a dog and think a dog will behave a certain way. They choose a dog based on personality, not on how it looks. And this is improving all across the country. The laws are much better now. Pet owners are supported instead of prosecuted. And we have the wonderful opportunity now at Animal Farm Foundation that we have some specialized programs. One is the assistance dog program where we train dogs from shelters with the label Pitbull to help people with disabilities who need the use of a service dog for equal access, and we give those dogs to the people. We don't charge. It's a very different service than a lot of the other nonprofit and for-profit uh, guide dog and service dog programs where we just uh, give the dogs to the people. And then we also have a canine detection dog program, which is one of my favorites. We have dogs labeled pit bull that come out of shelters from all across the country. We train them to detect opioids, other narcotics, explosives, and weapons, and we donate those police departments all across the country. We've come a long way, baby, from pit bulls being shunned to now being assistant dogs, uh, service dogs, and also working to sniff out, what did you say, narcotics? Yes. That's amazing. In a very short period of time, you've turned things around uh, uh, quite a bit. But aren't there still a tremendously high number of animals in shelters that have pit in them? You know, a pit mix. Isn't that like the number one dog at the shelter these days still? Well, that's kind of a tricky question because there is no breed of dog called pit bull. People have opinions about which breeds of dogs should get the label pit bull. But there's no kennel club definition, there's no standard legal definition, and there's no genetic definition for what a pit bull is or isn't. So it's all based on looks. And so there are a lot of dogs in shelters that get that label, but it doesn't mean that those dogs are genetically similar or related in any way. All right. So what, are, what am I saying when I'm saying pit bull? What do I mean? I don't know. That's up to you. That's your opinion. A big s- everybody's got a different one. To me, a, a pit bull has a very particular look. It's shaped like a, mm, like a, I don't know what, like a Harley Davidson, and it's got a big square head. What right. am I, what? So what am I saying when I see that kind of animal? It could be any kind of animal. Well, it, it's I don't know. If they look similar to each other, then maybe you're seeing dogs that are genetically similar to each other. But I have the benefit of traveling all over the country to do this. And I can tell you what we call pit bulls in New York is different than what they call pit bulls in L.A. It's different than what they call them in the South. It's different than what they call them in Chicago. So pit bull is really in the eye of the beholder. But what we do know is that once a dog gets that label, regardless of whether or not it's accurate, depending on whatever definition you're using, then there's a chance that the the dog might be discriminated against. We're talking to Stacy Coleman from the Animal Farm Foundation. They're doing wonderful things with dogs and people, too, for that matter. So... This didn't come out of thin air. You know, the discrimination against dogs that look a certain way didn't come out of thin air. There were in the news many cases of of animals n- not behaving well. How did that all uh, get turned into discrimination against this type of looking dog? Because fear is a sticky thing. We've tracked the history of 
of where the fear started. It's really interesting when you look back in the publication. So there was a media group who in the 1980s ran three different stories and three different magazines that they were all owned by the same media group that were meant to elicit fear mm-hmm. in the readers and, and create an interest because then one magazine sold another magazine sold another magazine. That is, is when we track the fear to really starting and that's the fear that kind of stuck. But discriminating against dogs based on appearance is a, a sort of age-old tradition in our society and in, in, uh, what people do. Um, there was a time when Spitz dogs were banned in New York City. What are they? they, they were dang- Spitz are little white fluffy dogs. They were banned. And they were banned in New York City because they thought that they were particularly uh, likely to bite people. Hmm. Um, then there were times when Rottweilers were demonized. There were times when German Shepherd dogs were demonized. There are times when, uh, like Sharpay dogs, those wrinkly dogs, mm-hmm. get added to the list. So it really depends on place and time and moment in history. Because uh, discrimination against dogs based on appearance isn't anything new. But what we think is a little bit different now with this group of dogs and why this discrimination held, has held on for so long is we now have the Internet and we have a 24-7 news cycle. So one, one reporter once said to me, yeah, but if I Google pit bull attack, then I get all of these responses, all of these hits that come up. And I said, okay, now Google Elvis lives in a trailer park. <laughs> and you get All the right, same number of responses. Yes, right? Yes, yes, I see oh. what you're saying. Yes, right. but I think he does. No. Um, <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so I see what you're saying, and I, and I think about too. You know, when people see a black cat and they cross the street. So, you know, we know that black hats really don't have black magic or are bad luck, but things get into our psyches and they stay there and it's passed down from generation to generation and two i think just about everybody knows of someone that has been bitten by a dog you know i have a friend that has a scar on her face from putting her face too close to a dog she didn't know i know of another little boy in a children's hospital we do a big fundraiser for the children's hospital who was really savagely attacked by a dog and you know was sewn back together after several operations so these things do happen we can't say they're not they're all it's all just discrimination um but you're working hard at the animal farm foundation to take these dogs that look a particular way and show the world really what they can do so let's talk about what they can do you said there's the assistance dog program where they can become like therapy dogs makes me shake my head right it's like wow wow what a what a 180 that is and you also said there can you also donate them to police departments in need of canines for sniffing out narcotics what else can these dogs do Well, they can do anything that any other kind of dog or or group of dog can do. So what we say, and you know, we're not Pollyanna about this. Sometimes dogs bite people. And it doesn't matter what that dog looks like. Mm -hmm. It just matters that that interaction between the person and the dog went wrong in that moment. Mm -hmm. Something failed in communication and somebody was injured by it. Uh, Just this week in the Hudson Valley, we've had two really severe injuries by pedigreed dogs that are not 
of um, the group of dogs we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So it happens, and we need to be aware of that. And all of that is solved by having a better respect and communication with between the species. Mm -hmm. So, but back to the question at hand, I just didn't want you to think that. Oh no, you know, no, I do understand. I absolutely right. okay. do understand. Thank you, Stacy. Okay. So what they can do is anything any other kind of dog can do, which is why we set out to do this. These two particular jobs, the, the canine detection and the service dog, are jobs that were traditionally reserved for purebred, purpose-bred dogs. And those dogs perform this function just fine, but we set out to that not only can a dog from a shelter do the same thing, but a dog from a shelter that comes with a stereotype can do the same thing too. And, and really it's about replacing those fearful memories or thoughts that people have with some better information, something good and something, uh, being able to see these dogs in a positive light mm -hmm. instead of just negative. Absolutely. Listen, Stacy. if you come to my house, there's a sign on my door. You know what it says? It's got a big number eight and it says, Tucker has bitten eight people so far. To avoid being number nine, please enter quietly and slowly. So I have a, <laughs> that's the truth, I have a dog that bites and I got this pug because the family that had him and three kids couldn't keep it because there's kids running in and out of the house all the time and this dog was biting everyone. You know, and it, you know, and who knows why? There's a history there. Um, so they had to get rid of him. So I take other people's animals. So I took this wonderful pug, and he's fabulous with my husband and I. But if you enter the house the wrong way, he is going to take you down. The thing is, though, with a, this little pug, his teeth are tiny. He can only do yeah. so, and his mouth is tiny, and he can't get up yeah. past your knee. But he has right. done a tremendous amount of damage. Just ask my Mary Kay lady. Oh, oh my gosh. dear. Anybody yeah. that comes in too fast or yells, hello, like, you can't right. do that in my house. So, right, but see, yeah. now you've, you've recognized Tucker as a little individual. Mm -hmm. You understand what his needs are to live uh, peacefully, and you meet those needs. And that's what we really we should be doing with all of our dogs. Yeah. Instead of assuming a dog is going to behave a certain way, get to know that dog. See how you can best uh, and most successfully live with that animal. Now, what we want to know is what can we do for you, the Animal Farm Foundation? I feel like I just found a jewel. I never knew about this. This is all new to me. And uh, yeah, well, I've never known but, about you. Can we visit? Can we donate? Do you have something we can buy, something we can look at? Tell us how we can <laughs> well, connect with you. Go to our website, which is animalfarmfoundation.org, or to our Facebook page, and uh, learn more about what we do. See what we do. And if you like what we do, help and, and support us. We're very fortunate that we have a benefactor, so we can do this work without requiring donations. However, one of the things we realized recently is that we run a lean and mean organization here. We're not overstaffed. We Everybody works hard and wears a lot of different hats, and we always spend our money wisely. So we just recently threw our hat into the fundraising ring because we thought we know a lot of people who donate money to animal causes, and we know how those animal causes are run. Mm. And we do so much better. And so what we can tell donors is if you want your money to go directly to the animal programs, then you can donate to us and rest assured that that's where your money is going to go. It's not going to go into administration. It's not going to go into paying uh, ridiculously high salaries. This money is going to go into programs. Tell me where you get your dogs. You go to the shelters? 
Yeah, all of our dogs come out of shelters or rescues. We take dogs from our, our local area. We take dogs from New York City. We take dogs from all over the region. Um, but we also routinely travel to shelters in Atlanta, Georgia, because recently Atlanta, Georgia has really just moved leaps and bounds ahead of where they were. And they're trying to save more lives, and they're looking at the dogs as individuals, and they're being proactive about placing the dogs, but they have a lot of dogs in their shelters. So um, about every month or two, we send staff down to Atlanta to meet the dogs and choose some dogs and bring those dogs back for our special programs. Now, if they, the very first thing our dogs do when they come here is they go to Rikers in New York City, the mm, prison, right. and they spend uh, six weeks or so living at Rikers because one of the programs they have for the inmates and detainees there is if they've earned the right to, they can move into a dormitory-style living and work as a group to provide 24-7 care for the animals. And there, our dogs learn basic obedience. They are crate trained. They learn um, how to get their nails clipped. They have proper nutrition and exercise. They socialize with lots of different people. And it's a great benefit for the the detainees and the inmates and also for our dogs. Uh, They get a lot of care coming out of a very stressful situation in a shelter. And we learn a lot about our dogs that way. And then when the dogs leave there, they get a a graduation ceremony. And it's a a great, great program. Program. So all of our dogs that come out of the shelters go to Rikers first, and then uh, we evaluate them to see if they're going to be happy working in one of our special programs. We'll never require a dog to do something he's not going to be happy about. Some of the times our dogs enter the programs and then they get they learn what a couch is and they think, yeah, I'm <laughs> not getting off me. the couch to right. go to work today. And if that happens, then we work with the local Dutchess County SPCA and the dogs come um, to the SPCA to be placed for adoption. You're getting dogs from all over but a lot of them from Georgia. They go to Rikers. They get crate trained by some inmates who have earned the right to do so. And then they come to you and see if they'll maybe be an assistance dog or a police dog. That's it. That's really amazing. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Stacy, you say you have a benefactor. How lucky are you? It's a woman who, who wants to make a difference in this world. She's very socially conscious and she's dedicated to uh, ending discrimination uh, and that's really what we're doing and along the way you know it seems like we're a dog organization but the humans are always part of the equation because no dog ever lives outside of the context of humans whether that human relationship went well or went wrong dogs always live with humans so we always bring the people along for the ride too and we fight very hard to make sure that dog owners and the people who care about dogs are supported and are not subject to discriminatory legislation. One of the things we're doing right now, too, is we're helping dog owners in Sioux City, Iowa, where there's a law that says it's okay for city employees to come to your home, take your dog away, and kill your dog because of what it looks like. Mm. It doesn't have to be behavioral. It's just based on opinion of what the dog looks like. And we are fighting a case right now in Sioux City where we're helping the dog owners get that law changed. We never challenge cities for any sort of compensation. It's only to change the law so that dog owners can live peacefully and safely with their pets. Woo, that's a lot to take in. So in in Sioux City, Iowa, is that what you said? Yeah, and there are a few places across the country that still have that legislation, um, and we're systematically working to get it to get it fixed. That's how I got into this. As and when I was living in Indianapolis, I picked up a little stray dog 
and I didn't think anything about what it was. I sent her to the local uh, Humane Society because I didn't have, I thought, well, I'm not going, I don't have time for a dog, whatever, you know, so many reasons, but I did the right thing and sent her to the Humane Society. And the next day I called and said, what does she need? I'll write the check. And they said, well, she's an unspayed pit bull, so we're going to euthanize her. Mm. And I said, in that case, I want her back. And they said, you can't have her back. It's our policy that we don't adopt them out. And I said, how many days do I have to fight that? And they said seven. So I got myself an attorney, and I have no no idea why I did it. My friends are like, why are you doing this? And I said, I don't know. It's just right. This dog, there's nothing wrong with this dog. This dog was lovely in the time she was in my care. She doesn't need to die because of what she looks like. And so that's how I got into this. Then not long after I got that dog home, the mayor of Indianapolis announced that he was going to round up and kill all the quote-unquote pit bulls. And I said, not me, not my dog. So we got dog owners organized. We took on the mayor. We won. The legislation was never passed. And the next year he got ousted out of office (laughs) because he tried it again. (laughs) And how many years did you have with that wonderful dog? Fifteen years. Her name was Gertie, and she was the most amazing, wise creature I've ever known. I'll tell you one quick story about Gertie. So I was volunteering with refugee resettlement, and a family from Afghanistan was transplanted into um, Indianapolis, and I was assigned to that family. And there were five little kids, uh, ages 5 to 15, all with post-traumatic stress disorder, None of them spoke English, and almost immediately upon their arrival, their mother became very sick and had to go to the hospital. And the kids were going to go into foster care. And the mother asked me through an interpreter, would I please take her kids so that they didn't have to get split up? And I thought, I don't have kids. And I went from zero to 60 because I agreed to take those kids in. So now I've got all of these kids (laughs) that don't speak English, and they're crying, and I'm crying, and everybody's crying, and my dog Gertie knew just what to do. She just backed in on, into the lap of the littlest one, sat down. He put his little arms around her and stopped crying. And I thought, okay, dog, I'm taking my lead from you. <laughs> wow. Wow, Stacy, that is such a beautiful story. That is so sweet. Oh, wow. Amazing. This is amazing. I, I, I'm just so grateful to learn all about it. But Stacy, I got to tell you something. And I got to speak for all the people who are just like me because I know they're listening. I'm still afraid of them. I get it. I totally get it. And the best advice that I can give you is let the dogs do the work. So, you know, there's a reason. We've been bombarded with a lot of information about why the dogs are scary and what we need to worry about. But when you meet a dog that, that is friendly to you, that solicits attention from you, and you really look at that dog as an individual, and let all that noise go away. Just look at that dog in front of you. You'll understand then. Okay. It is. And I, you know what? I totally get it. I get it why people are afraid. But you'll meet the one dog that changes your mind. Yeah. All right. I will, I will open my mind then. But, you know, I have a thing with dogs because I've had so many and all mine rescues and all special, most of them special needs. I, when I meet other dogs, I tend not to interact with them because uh-huh. I know there's so much stuff going on in a dog's head. And the last, yep. the last thing they need is me going, oh, boop, 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 dee, you know, with the baby talk and getting uh-huh. down in their face. So I tend to, my way of showing my love to a dog is just to stand there and not, you know, just send my love. <laughs> but, that, you know what? You're brilliant. And I wish everybody understood that about dogs. Dogs would be much less stressed and there would be far fewer bites if people allowed the dogs to choose to come to you instead of you going to the dog. That's the smartest thing you can do. 
All right. Well, this has been a great education for me. I'm thrilled. Animal Farm Foundation, and it's in Dutchess County, right? Yes. Dutchess County. And we can find you where on the website? Animalfarmfoundation.org. How about tours? Can we come visit? Uh, we have to schedule, but you can come and visit. Yep. That's Stacy Coleman. Aren't you glad you stayed for the Gertie story? Animalfarmfoundation.org. Find them on Facebook, too. And if you want to see my pack of critters, including Tucker the Terrible, search for Lucky Dogs Ranch on Facebook. And friend me on Facebook, too. Casey Morabito Grian, G-R-E-A-N. Our thought for the day is next. It's a great time of year to be outdoors, enjoying local streams and rivers. We assume these waters are safe and clean, but for the most part, no one knows. That's a problem, one we can do something about. The Isaac Walton League of America can help us get started. From stream cleanups to simple water quality tests, visit iwla.org slash radio today. That's iwla.org slash radio. Hi, I'm Kristen Bell. When my kids fall down, I treat them with kisses and colorful band-aids. But when kids are really sick, I'm glad there are children's hospitals to help. Put your money where the miracles are. Give to your children's Miracle Network Hospital. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you for shining on today. Our retreat weekend is next weekend at Graymore and Garrison. That's in Putnam County, New York. It's a spiritual retreat center and it has plenty of room, so last minute guests are welcome. Come. We're going to walk the Appalachian Trail and make mandalas from the flowers we pick. There'll be a bonfire and a labyrinth walk and time to recharge and inspiration. Get details at Casey.co. And if you need a daily hit of inspiration each day, you can find that too at kacey.co. Our thought for the day is from the poet Mary Oliver, who said, Because of the dog's joyfulness, our own is increased. It is no small gift. It is not the least reason why we should honor as love the dog of our own life and the dog down the street and all the dogs not yet born. Well, my goal in life is to spend more time on the couch with the pugs, Tucker and Rosie and Ella, and our beast of a cat, Lady Beatrice the Orange. So off I go. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.